Good evening, good evening, good evening. Hello, everyone. Woo! Welcome, everyone. It's so good to have you all here today. Listen, when I woke up this morning, I've been looking after Tammy and Reese's place while they've been gone, and I saw these clouds, and I was like, is today the day? <laughs> I looked at this weather, and I was like, okay, Lord, I'm preaching this evening. Make a change. And luckily, the sun is out. The streets are busy, and if you've noticed, the shops are packed because it's been payday recently for many of us. So, amen, hallelujah. Um, but let's get started straight away, and I would like us to all start in prayer. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. God, thank you. Amen. There we go. I always love to do a nice little short prayer because it catches everyone off guard. Everyone, everyone always expects when someone comes up on stage and like, we're going to pray, they expect this long prayer, and it's just like, Bam. I love doing that with the youth as well, because they also expect a nice long prayer, but then bam, a nice little simple prayer. And I want to lean into that word simple, because today's message is all about simplicity, and more specifically, financial simplicity, as we continue with our sermon series on making change, making the ching-ching right? Okay, so the title of today's message, and when I, when I made this title, I was like, yes, you're a genius, but it is Simplicity. Hope it comes up behind me. There we go. Simplicity, and some of you might be quite familiar with that little logo next to the word sim. Now, when I was growing up, I used to be obsessed, let me tell you, obsessed with the game The Sims. And I think there's The Sims 1, there's 2, there's 3, and now there's 4 currently. Who knows if they're going to be making a 5, but I know there's a lot of DLCs and a lot of expansion packs. But I used to come home after primary school days. I would go to my computer, turn it on, the big motherboard that the computers were back in the days, turn it on, wait for the machine to turn on, because obviously laptops are so fast nowadays. Then you would go to the cupboard, get the CD case, take out the CD. Yes, CDs were still a thing back then. I don't know what happened to CDs now. But you put the CD in, obviously wait for the game to load. Maybe sometimes the game would crash, and then you're like, well, I guess I'm not playing today. Um, Put the CD in, and then I would spend hours and hours and hours playing with these Sim characters. And for those of you who do not know what Sims is, do not worry, there's some pictures behind me kind of just showing what The Sims is all about. But it's a series of games where you kind of have these characters that you are in control of. You control their desires, their wants, their needs. You get to even build their houses, put them in these mansions, and so forth and so forth. But an oopsie from my side, um, The game got quite difficult. The game got a little bit challenging every now and then because it would get difficult for your sim to become rich. It would become quite challenging and you'll get easily frustrated. So, as I said, an oopsie from my side, there was these things called cheat codes. (laughs) There we go. At the touch of a button, a click of a couple of keys that Hashtag one, two, three, four, make me rich, underscore one, two, three, star, exclamation mark. And then bam, my sim is filthy rich. But don't you wish there were some cheat codes in life? I wouldn't mind some cheat codes. Imagine, beep, 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 five kgs down, stunning, amen, hallelujah. Or you go again, beep, 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 done, and then get a notification from your bank, and it says there, um, you have been blessed with a large sum of money. Now, we, wouldn't we love that, right? If there was cheat codes to add to our wealth. But what happened, actually, is while I was playing these games and while I was using these cheat codes, 
it actually made me lose interest in the game. The game became surprisingly not easy. The game became more difficult because now I had to manage all of my sim's wealth and materialism. There was too much going on that my sim would throw so many tantrums. And like, they don't speak English, but you, you get the drift. So my sim used to lose his mind. And what's crazy is that this situation with my sim's material and wealth, and we think like, oh, cool, 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 yeah, give him more so that he can be rich and it's going to be all easy and great. It reminded me of how society is today and what the conventional wisdom is of wealth and materialism. Society tells us that, hey, more is better. Get that. You need this because then life is going to be good. More is better. But let me tell you, Jesus said that actually less is more. If you want to live a life of more, if you want to live a life of abundance, then less is more. And just like in my sim situation, so much materialism and wealth, and he was losing his mind, it started to create complexity. My sim wasn't free. He was almost chained. And the same can be said about us. When there's so much complexity regarding wealth and, and possessions and the things that we own, it can almost make us slaves, make us chained to wealth. And I wrote you that the accumulation of things creates complexity in our lives, and that can make it hard for us to be totally free, to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. And in Matthew 6, verse 24, it reads, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. This part is the most important part. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I love that word enslaved, even though it isn't a very popular world, but it really paints the picture of you being chained to wealth and money and finances. This verse helps put into perspective that it's actually the love of money and the pursuit of money that is the problem. Luke 12 verse 34 reads in the New International Version, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This complexity and desire to want more because we believe that more is better or because we believe because society told us that more is better makes us slaves to our finances. This accumulation almost becomes an anchor wrapped around our feet that's not allowing us to do what God actually wants us to do, His purpose for our lives. And a life, according to Jesus, should actually be about simplicity. He wants us to live lives of simplicity so that we can do what he has called us to do. He wants us to experience the power of simplicity. And let me tell you, there is power in simplicity. So this leads me to the question, what is simplicity? Simplicity, biblically, can best be described as the intentional act of proportioning our lifestyles as we commit ourselves to the mission of Jesus and the needs 
of the world. And another way in which we can put this, I've been going to gym recently and it's changed some perspectives on my idea of wealth as well. It's a really cool analogy. But it's the same as how someone who is committed to gym will adjust their diet to match the intense workout that they are doing. Because if you eat wrong, are you going to see any change in your body when you're gymming? No, not necessarily, because you need the right nutrients. You need the right minerals if you want to either bulk or if you want to lean and lose weight. But unfortunately, as more and more becomes available to us, and, and as, like, in terms of technology, opportunity, ability, or social prestige, the idea of simplicity starts to fade away. As everyone tries to grab our attention with more, more, more is better, more is better. That idea of simplicity is not there anymore. Many of us have been infected by the seductive influence, yes, seductive influence of marketing. Marketing is powerful, and we need to be careful about marketing, which says you need more, you need more money, you need a fancy car. You need those Adidas shoes. You need that massive house. Because if you have those things, then you are living a successful life. You have made it. That is what society has made us believe. And I think the influence of marketing can even be seen in Christmas. Christmas has become not about what it actually is about. Society has made Christmas about giving each other gifts. That's what Christmas is. Okay, cool. What are you getting me? What do I need to get you? What do you want? What's the, what's the list? What's the shopping list that we need to go do? It's all about the shopping. It's all about that experience. But it's not your birthday. Christmas is the birthday of Christ. It is his birthday. But marketing and society has made us believe otherwise. And this leads to the question, and I really want you guys to, it should come up behind me, but really pay attention to this. How important is money and things to your happiness? How important is money and things, things meaning your possessions, how important are those things to your happiness in life? And what impact does that have on your service and giving to God? We have to be careful because in life, there are a lot of attachments. If you think in terms of an email, when you're going through your emails and you check in things and you need to download these files, you're going to be careful about the attachments to an email. Because if you download the wrong attachments, what are you going to get? You're going to get a virus. And the same is true of what you think or worry about in life. If you are worrying about your finances, well then... Sorry, sir, there's a virus attached to that. So society has almost uh, made us believe, and as I was researching this topic on financial simplicity, society has made us believe in almost three lies. And these three lives almost act as attachments that have viruses to our emails. And these three lies are, number one, society has made us believe that our purpose is to succeed. They have made us believe that, cool, success is the only way. If you want to succeed in life, there we go. That's the only way. You need to succeed. That's what they've made us believe. Number two, that money is the only answer. If you have this amount of money, 
then you can do anything. If you are super, super rich, then money is your only answer. To get you out of a situation, money. This, that, your answer, money. And then the last one, which I've said before, more is better. Society has made us believe that we need quantity. They've tricked us into believing that we need quantity and not quality. And although these yes might sound a bit financially great, you know, more is better, we wouldn't all mind, you know, we wouldn't mind some more money. It won't hurt the bank account. But just like a virus, they can cause us to produce side effects. There are side effects to believing these lies. Because if we believe that our purpose is to succeed, that money is the only answer, and that more is better, it can cause us to lose our joy and peace. Number two, it can actually cause us to lose our desire to seek God. When we make money our master, it can cause us to no longer desire to seek God first. And that's his rightful place. We should seek him first and not money. And then last one, number three, stop loving and caring for others. Money can cause so much division in families. So much division. Can cause a lot of issues, a lot of fights, a lot of hatred. Money really can be the root of all evil, especially if you don't put God where he rightfully needs to be. And I know this sounds crazy, but you can have so much money. You can have so much wealth. You can be the richest person. You can be so successful in life. But at the end of your best life, you can actually have nothing at all. In Matthew 16, verse 26, it reads, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? If you gain the whole world, all the riches, all the possession, all the success, but lose your own soul in the process. Is anything worth more than your soul? Think about that. Is anything worth more than your soul? And I can tell you the answer straight away. Definitely not. And I would like to encourage us that the focus of our lives should not be about money. Our focus of our lives should not be about hung, being hungry for success. Our focus and our priority should be loving God and loving people. We need, to, and we always say it, we need to love God and we need to love people. We don't need to worry about money because if that, if that is who we put first, we put God first, then we don't need to worry about our money because it's going to be in His hands. He's our provider. In Proverbs 10 verse 22, it reads, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. It doesn't say the money. It doesn't say the possessions. It says the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. And I love the second part, and he adds no sorrow with it. God's not society. He doesn't have these attachments that have viruses. No, he adds no sorrow with it. And Jesus also said in Matthew 10, verse 24, even if you give a cup of cold water to a little one in my name, it is a blessing. And this is what an abundant life is all about. When our lives become a blessing to others. 
when we become contributors and not consumers. We need to be contributors. We need to be giving. We need to be sharing. We need to be loving our neighbors. Most importantly, we need to be loving God first and foremost. Because not only will our lives be a blessing to others, but in this process, we'll be giving God glory at the same time. So we need to be faithful in our contentment. We need to be faithful to God, which is actually the action. It is the action of good, of being rich in good works and being generous and ready to share. A lot of people think that, that faith and works don't go hand in hand, that faith and works are separated, separated. but you can't separate faith from works because faith without good works is dead. Faith without good work is dead. Now, many people have the want to for financial freedom, but a lot of people don't have the work to in order to get financial freedom. We actually need to put in that work. You've got to put the want to work, and then you will get your desired results. In Hebrews 13 verse 5, it reads, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content. Be content with what you have because God has said, I love this part, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And before I close, I actually want to end off with six practical ways to help our work to towards creating financial simplicity in our lives. And I would actually encourage you, if you're taking notes, jot these down, super quick. Six ways, number one, buy for utility value rather than for prestige. Buy things only when you need them. Watch my language there. Not when you want them. Buy things when you need them. Refrain from doing it just to gain some sort of status or prestige. Now, does this mean that you mustn't buy branded goods? No. You can buy branded goods. And if you know me very well, you know very well that I am obsessed with Adidas clothing and shoes. I love Adidas. But we need to be careful in terms of want and need. Are we buying for quantity or are we buying for quality? I've had two Adidas tracksuit pants, which I think I bought in about 2015 or 2016, that have lasted me. I still wear them today. Quality over quantity. I only have two of them. Quality over quantity. Then number two, develop the habits of giving things away. Do not stash, do not accumulate, rather de-accumulate. The less clutter we have, the simpler life will be. I'm going to say that again. The less clutter we have, the simpler life will be. And I think this also links to generosity and how our actions and giving of time to, for example, serving on a Sunday or on a Friday night with youth or serving as a life group leader and how tithing every month actually has the ability 
to positively change and impact someone's life. The act of giving. The act of giving. We can even balance our spending with our giving to God. We have to ensure that we are setting aside the money that God places in our hands for giving to God. And the way we do that is just by simply making a pledge to God. In the Old Testament, it speaks about giving your first fruits. That means that before we buy our food, before we pay our rent, before we, you know, get our petrol and do this and do that because we believe that that is necessary or society has made us believe that that is necessary, we need to predetermine prayerfully. We need to predetermine prayerfully the amount that will be dedicated to God's work, to what He wants to do. Number three, and I've mentioned it um, before, but we need to beware, that's why I have to repeat it, we need to beware of modern marketing and advertising. We need to, listen, I've studied a film degree. I know a little bit about the industry. We need to beware of modern advertising. Advertising today actually tends to do the thinking for us. That's how powerful marketing is. It can exaggerate and magnify once, once to make it seem like they are needs. We need to be careful. Society has made us believe that something that we wanted is a necessity. Well, it's a need that we need it in order to be successful or to live our best lives. And in this context, advertising no longer informs but creates needs where there were none. The, the decision made may not be logical, but it can actually be emotional. And we need to be reminded that there are people whose job it is to make you believe that you need something. Society has created jobs where people are like, how are we going to get this person to like this product or like this service? Beware of modern advertising. Number four, stop impulse buying. How many of us can resist even the terminology of a good purchase? Or a buy me now, I'm 50% off. When you see that for sale sign, are the items really for sale? Check the advertising. But our purchase may seem like a, a good idea. But the question is, do we really need what we want to buy? Think about your wants and your needs. What will create complexity? What's going to work against what Jesus wants? Simplicity. So to help ease and identify our complexities, and I've really been encouraged with this, but I would encourage us to budget. And I learned this from financial freedom. I know Ryan mentioned it in the beginning, but I really enjoyed financial freedom. It really gave so much perspective that school didn't give me. I didn't learn what they taught me because in school, I mean, I didn't take business or accounting. Um, I wasn't really good at it, but um, I learned so much. And what's great is that it's, bib it's biblical. So budgeting in the season has been great. 
It's been really helpful. So I would encourage us, if you want to get out of this complexity and go to a place of simplicity, let's be intentional about budgeting in a biblical way. Number five, enjoy things without having to own them. There are so many beautiful things in this world, and there's so many beautiful things that other people own as well. When you look at something that somebody, else's, that somebody else owns, don't have the need to be like, yo, but Lord, like, don't you want to bless me with the exact same thing? Like, no, be grateful for what they have and be content with what you have as well. And that doesn't even have to be with possessions as well. Be grateful for what God has done already in your life and be excited and expectant for what he is still going to do. And the last point, number six, and this is probably one of my favorite ones because I've really learned to love this, especially this year as I've started to Sabbath, but enjoy nature and see God in it. Another key to a simpler lifestyle is to learn to enjoy nature and see God in it. Cherish in God's creation. I feel like when I'm walking on the beach on a Monday, and on a Monday it's beautiful because I have off on a Monday, and when I walk on the beach, I just feel so grateful. I really just take in all the nature, all the silence, and I have a quiet time, solitude and silence. And just be like, whoa, God, you've actually done so much. Today, I'm just gonna leave it in your hands. Thank you for everything that you have done. And I'm super excited for what you are still going to do. And let me tell you, I think I've made some of the best financial decisions in times of solitude and silence, in times when I'm walking and spending time with God in nature on the beach, when there's no distractions, when there's no window shopping, when there's no media telling me, no, more is better, more is better, more is better, more is better. And so as I come into a close, I want to encourage you guys all to stand up. This week, I want to encourage you to find some time to actually just sit down and figure out what is God's will, what His will is for your life in terms of your giving, in terms of your finances, in terms of your income. What is God's will? In other words, what are you going to give back to God? What are you going to give back to God? Now, I know some of us might be quite anxious about our money matters, about our making change, about the whole money situation. And too often we experience anxiety with that as well. When someone says something about money, you're like, oh, money, the bank account is on like 10 rand. Rough. How am I going to pay for petrol? How am I going to pay for this? And then your brain starts going crazy, things just going wild, and then you make money the master. You allow money to take you off the path that God wants you to be on. Put God in his rightful place. We need to love God first and love people. Because when we put him in the rightful place, just watch what God does with your money. Watch what he can do. He's a God of miracles. What can he do with your finances when you give him your finances? Because God did not create you for slavery. God did not create you to be a slave 
to money. No, He created you for freedom. He created you to be free. For it is by the grace of Jesus that He has set us free. Not to be yoked again to slavery, to our finances and our possessions. He wants us to live lives of financial simplicity. He wants you to live a life of financial simplicity. He wants you to be content. So as we bow our heads and pray, Lord, we just thank you so much that you are a provider. Thank you so much that you've never left our side. No matter what our financial circumstances have been like, you've just always been there. And I pray that you would help us. That we think when times are going rough and, and when our money matters cause us anxiety, that you just remind us, almost plant a seed that all of a sudden sprouts and causes us to remember, no, we need to put you first. We need to put you in your rightful place. We need to give you our money. Our money matters. Thank you that we can trust you with our money matters. So Lord, we just pray that you would just be with us in this season as we try and navigate our finances. And if there's anyone in this room who is even maybe struggling with finances, I just want to encourage you to give it to God. I want to encourage you that He actually wants you to give your money matters to Him. Because He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is a miracle worker. He is a way maker. He doesn't want you to be a slave to your finances anymore. He wants to break those chains that bound you. He wants you to be living a life of financial simplicity. And thank you, Lord, that we are able to live lives that are abundant. And that doesn't mean that we need to be rich. And even sometimes we can be rich, Lord, and we can still live in abundance. So Lord, I pray that you would remind us that less is more. Remind us to be content and to be grateful for what you have given us. And help us to be expectant for what you're still going to do in our lives and even with our finances. In your mighty name, and everyone said, Amen.